Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Market Foolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com/fool to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. It's Wednesday, September 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And uh, let me just say for anyone who's expecting us to talk about Apple's big event, we're not going to be doing that. We're, we're going to be hitting. We're going to be digging into Apple's big event from yesterday. On Motley Fool Money this weekend, we're doing yeah. an entire segment on that. So. Also, pretty sure elsewhere on the internet, there's some some coverage. There's there's some <laughs> there is some coverage. We're going to have our own coverage. It's yes. just going to be on Motley Fool Money. Yeah, uh, fantastic. We, we've got some earnings to get to, and we have a couple of pending IPOs that we need to discuss. But let's start with GameStop. Which is still a public company. Exists. Um, uh, GameStop's second quarter, uh, same store sales down 12%. They cut guidance. And when you talk about coverage, there's coverage out there of GameStop. And the headline on fool.com is everything goes wrong for GameStop. (laughs) Game stopped. How many stores do you think you might have you might have seen this? How many stores do you think worldwide GameStop has? So, for those unfamiliar, GameStop, a video game retailer yeah. that has had stretches where the stock has done well, including I was looking back from sort of late. I think I have this right from late 2012 to late 2013, maybe a 14 month period. The stock tripled. Yeah, um, but they've closed a bunch of stores. I'm going to say. 500? 5,700 stores. Oh, what? Yeah, 5,700 stores. That's way too many. Maybe. It's worldwide. This is actually a worldwide company. So, you know, it's a lot. You know, they agree with you, actually, because they've just announced that they're going to close somewhere close to 200 of them, bringing them down to 5,500 stores. Yeah, but you wouldn't believe it, would you? No, I'm still having trouble believing it because the market cap of this company is less than half a billion dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that, per store, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, not only that. So, uh, GameStop's actually been in the news more often recently than it had been in a long time because uh, Michael Berry, who was made famous uh, in The Big Short, oh. Uh, just announced that he's taken a three percent stake in the company, and he's got some ideas for how the company could reform what it's doing. He feels like this is going to be this next year will be a big year because of the PlayStation Five, the Xbox Scarlet is coming out. Um, so there are believers in GameStop as an ongoing company. Are you one of them? I believe in Michael Berry. But otherwise, you know, you know, he's he's made his living, you know, coming out with stories that seemed far fetched at the time, and you know, on the you know on the balance of is the housing market going to collapse? I don't think that you know that GameStop is an okay company is that far fetched of an investing thesis, and certainly as you mentioned, you're not paying a huge premium on it. I was going to say the stock is is down again today, and. I don't know. This we've talked a lot about retail over the last couple of months, and against the backdrop of more and more locations like this, businesses like this yeah. announcing, you know, the closing down. I mean, you tell me they're they're going to cut from fifty seven hundred to fifty five hundred. That feels like they could. 
cut that by another thousand. Okay, to all of them. Well, yeah, because well, not all of them, but just yeah. I mean, why? This is I realize this is going to be a little overly simplistic, but. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if GameStop said, what are the 20% lowest performing locations we have, and convince me, management team, that we shouldn't just shut those down. That may possibly be part of... Keep in mind, this is what was announced for the quarter. This was not a massive restructuring that they were announcing. They're just saying, look, we didn't have a good quarter. Game stopped, uh, but you know we 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 have a plan going forward, and it starts with a couple of stores being closed. And these stores are being closed not out of desperation, but because they are economically not viable. So you can assume that they're you know looking at probably more stores. All right, we'll keep watching GameStop. Let's move on to Dave and Buster's uh, second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Dave and Buster's did cut guidance though, and that's what's. Trumping the results of the second quarter, the stock down a bit today. Yeah, stock's down a little bit today. It was down about seven percent when I went when when I looked earlier, uh, which means it'll probably end up you know anywhere else but seven percent by the time this comes out. Um, actually, pretty good quarter. I mean, they you know they had they had good earnings. They had revenues of almost three hundred fifty million. When you know up eight percent. One of the things that uh, the CEO Brian Jenkins mentioned was that the comps were a little bit bad because last year at this time, uh, Dave and Buster's was launching uh, virtual reality simulators in a lot of its stores, and that was a huge thing. and And I felt like this was a little bit glib, and I, I really like the way he put it. He's like. Last year's launch of virtual reality was pretty tough to match, right? There's <laughs> so um, yeah, the, the company's okay. I think the thing that I you know I wonder about Dave and Buster's one of their big things that they're talking about is that they want to increase the amount of times customers come into a store per year. Their existing customers tend to come about twice a year, and they think that they have pathways to increasing that. And for a company that's sort of high fixed cost and low, you know, and 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 low marginal cost, if they can do that, it's a pretty compelling case. So I was in a Dave and Buster's over the weekend because um, uh, my son had gone there with uh, some friends of his and it was packed. Granted, this is just one location, but it was packed, and it's the it's the combination. I think they've done a pretty good job of combining the uh, basically the stuff for kids, so there's a yeah. reason for kids to go there, um, and the hey, we're going to compete on some level with Buffalo Wild Wings. You want to watch sports, and you know during halftime maybe go play a game or whatever. Oh, and by the way, we'll sell you alcohol. Right. <laughs> it's like half Chuck E. Cheese, half Buffalo Wild Wings, and they fit right in the middle and ideally make most both customer groups happy. Uh, did you enjoy your time at Dave and Buster's? I did not because I was only there to pick him up. Oh well, okay, and it fair was, enough. And fair it was, enough. It was sort of sensory overload kind of thing. But I, I sort of felt like, oh, you know what? If I, if I were, you know, somewhere on a business trip and I there was a Dave and Buster's nearby, and all I wanted to do was get a bite to eat, have a drink, and watch a game, that seems like they've set up for that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that they were talking about is that they've released something uh, that I don't know may possibly. Enhance your game, but uh, you know your game watching experience. But in Dallas, they've launched something called a Wow Wall, which is a giant LED wall that's you know it's like in their bar area and it's meant to 
I mean, talk about sensory, you know, sensory overload, an entire wall that is, you know, that, you know, that, that is essentially a monitor, if you will. Um, the thing I wonder about with these companies is, you know, with a company like Dave and Buster's, is obviously high fixed costs. When I mean, you hear about things like this, it's like, what is what is the ongoing lift of virtual reality? What is the ongoing lift of a wow wall? And I think that they do a really good job, but that is, an, you know, it is an endless amount of capital investments into their existing stores. Well, and when you think about the rise of delivery when it comes to restaurants. Dave and Buster's is all about we need you to leave your home and come here and we're going to make as compelling a case as possible for you to do that. But and we've talked about this before. When you think about recession proof stocks, yeah. On the spectrum, this is not <laughs> this is no. one of those that is a discretionary income stock. Yeah, if you, yeah, and times put, are good. I've got some money. Right. Let's go out and have some fun. And put that way, you would almost think of Dave and Buster's as competing with maybe being a more economic version of going to the game because they don't tend to be re- neighborhood restaurants. They tend to be destinations. They're in large malls. They're in. They're very rarely in the midst of neighborhoods. You know, except by happenstance. They're meant to be put in places where they have a pretty large geographic circle around them. So, yeah. Yeah, times have been pretty great. Um, it's a good brand. It it's is a good, good brand. Uh, last thing on the stock before we move on. The stock is, you know, it's down a little bit today, but that's you know due to the guidance. It's been up and down a little bit over the past three years, but it's basically where it was three years ago. Yeah. Do, on a valuation basis, does this seem rich to you, or do you think, no, this is a reasonably priced stock for what it is? Well, the st- so both income and cash flows have grown during that period of time, and so uh, to the extent that you believed it three years ago, I would definitely be a believer of it now. Quick shout out to Grammarly. Thanks to them for supporting this episode of MarketFlurry. It's a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Grammarly encourages everyone, even the best students and the top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. They help people show their best self through writing, and it's available across platforms, including online browser extension, desktop editor, and mobile keyboard checker. You can find it on multiple browsers like Chrome, Firefox, Safari. You can find it on platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar, and that's great. But Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar, as well as structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, readability for different occasions. So, if you're writing a business proposal or you're writing something for school, a blog post, whatever, they're going to be able to help you. And it's so easy to use. It's worked miracles for you. I've, I've yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a single grammatical mistake. I'll just say this um, we, we work with a lot of great people, mm-hmm. and they're professionals. And uh, the people that we work with who are editorial professionals, um, they're great. Yeah. But uh, every once in a while, uh, I'll send an email. And someone will just sort of poke me. Someone in our, someone who's a trained editor, they're a professional, and they'll just sort of poke me. Like, did you mean that, or did you mean this? 
That doesn't happen anymore. Did you mean to write loose with two O's? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Grammarly Premium. It yeah. just gives you a lot more. Um, so, whether you're looking to polish up your resume or just look smarter in your emails at work, which I've done, do yourself a favor. Check out Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash fool and get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's grammarly.com slash fool and you get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. Um, one more programming note I mentioned. We'll be hitting Apple on Motley Fool Money on uh, Friday. Thursday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, we're doing a live Q&A on YouTube. Um, We're going to be talking about software as a service stocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Myself, Jason Moser, uh, Joey Salitro. Uh, You can find it on uh, The Motley Fool's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash The Motley Fool. You just did one last week. I did, on China. Yeah, Emily Flippin. China. I've I've heard that's a a big market. I think it's going to be in the news more and more. (laughs) Um, let's, Let's talk about IPOs for a second, because I'd been saying that I feel like the WeWork IPO, if it happens, uh, is going to be essentially if any, right? (laughs) Is essentially going to be the last big IPO of 2019, or sort of notable one. Um, I'd forgotten about Peloton. Peloton, for those unfamiliar, the exercise bike that also uh, it's not just an exercise bike. They also have a subscription that uh, is attached to it, so that you can. Um, I guess do different programs, uh, and it's I think thirty five dollars a month or or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So it's uh, they've come out with their filing, and I, I don't know that I necessarily want to buy into the Peloton IPO. I will say, however, they are getting credit, and good for them. They're getting credit for being pretty transparent about their numbers. Yeah. Particularly relative to what WeWork has done. I don't think, yeah, you could hardly do worse. Peloton to me has always been a somewhat oddly named company since it means, you know, Peloton means riding in a group and you essentially are on a bike by yourself. Um, but that's the subscription part, right? You're, you're, yes, you are, yes. You're, you join up and you're racing against other people. And, you know, they, I think they do a good job of, of showing that in the television commercials. They do. Uh, and, th- so much so that 400,000 people have you know have bought bikes which is an extraordinary number given that it was a you know it's a $2500 bike $3300 um, treadmill uh, and then and then and a subscription that comes with it i question a little bit what the the overall size of their market is now peloton people will tell you Peloton people will tell you that it's the greatest thing that they've ever done. You know, like it's it's like the opposite of the first rule of Fight Club. The first rule of Peloton (laughs) is to talk an awful lot about Peloton. Um, People love it. They, you know, um, but I do wonder, just in the same way, you know, what we were saying about Dave and Buster's is like, is this a discretionary expense? Is this something that people at a you know at a lower income level are going to want to do, or are they going to access? Now, one of the things that Peloton's done, which is smart, is that they now have a subscription service where you can get a video stream, but you don't have to have the bike. Uh, you can use your own. You can use your own bike. Um, We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So, the WeWork IPO, for <laughs> if, those, if any, for those who haven't been following the news, um, WeWork um, filed their S one. They started their roadshow. Uh, Maybe yeah. this this seems like uh, 
if there's anyone out there who's super bullish on this, anyone on Wall Street, I should say, they're keeping it to themselves. <laughs> um, and you and I were talking yesterday about how it's pretty astonishing. Like we were trying to come up with the last time a company was getting ready to go public, and there was this universal stop sign from Wall Street saying, not only. <laughs> <laughs> not only are we not interested, but please leave. Please, yeah, you're you're messing up all of our other gig. I mean, it is not without. I don't I don't tend to read too much into the moves of stock prices on a day to day basis, but it is not lost on me, or should it be on anyone, that the same struggles that are happening with the with with the WeWork IPO. And when they said they were coming out at forty-seven billion, and now they're coming out at twenty billion, which is several billion less, that people are starting to look at some of the other companies that are extremely high priced and saying, "Hey, is this the end of the market's taste for or appetite for companies, regardless of their valuation?" Well, and again, the. The reaction, and I haven't seen anyone say this, so I'm. This is my read into it, but but my read is that go ahead and give it to someone. No, my, my read is that there are Wall Street firms looking at WeWork and basically saying to them, "This is going to hurt our reputation." Yeah, like yeah. in the way that you know maybe the Uber IPO, the way that went down, you could look at that and say, "Ah, they didn't," you know, or the or on the flip side, the Beyond Meat one, yeah. where that thing went up. 160% higher on the opening day and you say well someone didn't price that correctly. Right. This is one where it's it's so bad and to go back to Peloton WeWork is being so opaque in their filings about how they make their money that Wall Street firms are saying this is going to hurt our reputation and we don't want any part you of it. You feel like in some ways that this is that this IPO or non-IPO is the end of an era. Like it's the end to me of the unicorn era. Because if you if you look at the commonalities of the unicorns, they've had a you know a lot of them have opaque management structures. They've got you know they've got shareholder structures that favor management and entrench management. And in some ways that's good. In some ways, in some instances, it's not good. But I think people are looking at WeWork. I don't get the feeling that most individual investors or even most institutional investors care a whole lot about corporate governance. So. If the corporate governance is is a little shady, you know that's okay. But corporate governance where it hurts potential returns, which is what I think that people are looking at in the case of WeWork with the bizarre structure and the CEO owning and leasing back the buildings and all of these different things, people are not about it anymore. Right. And that's the sort of thing where you can you can take that route, but you better have an amazing business in a growing industry, it yeah. needs to be you know in the you same. You better way. stick the landing. You yeah. better stick the landing because <laughs> yeah. there are different companies that we own shares of. That as much as anything, the reason we own shares is because of the leadership. Yeah, and so no, exactly. And yeah, and by the way, we we've we've seen companies over time in their public life start to pull back the information they share mm-hmm. and say, you know what. We're not given this metric anymore, yeah. and if you don't want to own shares, that's fine. It's like, 
you know, you've you've proven it. You've proven your worth. We're going to stick by you on this. But yeah. like right out of the gate, no. Nah. You know, and it's amazing because at this point, not even SoftBank, which owns a huge chunk of uh, you know, and and were perhaps if you really wanted to point to the person who was excited about WeWork, it was Masayoshi Son, who's the CEO and visionary behind SoftBank, and they own a tremendous amount, you know, it, through their company and then also through 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 their Vision Fund, which is levered. Which means that losing a twenty-seven billion dollars in valuation for WeWork hurts them a whole lot, and so they are even really encouraging WeWork not to do this IPO. But the problem is, WeWork is losing truckloads of money, and not losing truckloads of accounting money. They're losing lots of money in cash, no, actual money, actual money. So there is, you know, there was a bond offering that was coming with this. They needed to raise about nine billion dollars. That was their plan, which is money that is accounted for in their operations. So I think they're going to go public, and I think, I mean, it really, really might be a disaster. Bill, man, always good talking to you. Great to see you, Chris. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.